It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. JP in for Patricia. Uh, just for today, she's back again tomorrow with Cork Today. Bernie taking your calls and comments across the show. And ahead on the programme, questions are being asked over the last number of days. And this is to the Department of Rural Development. Uh, the day insist money allocated for the repair of rural laneways was distributed fairly. Now, some were disagreeing and some were asking why did the counties of Cavan and Monaghan receive almost four times the amount awarded to Cork we discussed that this morning on the programme the news of this first came on the Sunday Times newspaper and they reported this and they found the information on this the department have come out since to say it was allocated fairly but you have to wonder why then did counties like Cavan and Monaghan receive a lot more uh, than us here in Cork considering the size of Cork County and the amount of rural laneways and roads we have here across the county, which are used a lot by uh, traffic and even for commercial reasons due to the nature of where those locations are. Anyhow, we'll discuss that this morning on the programme. Also, we're going to chat to one city councillor who feels it's time to return the waste collection service back to the council. We had a lot of calls from various parts of the county. Demanway was one of them. Uh, with regards to waste collection services not being collected and bins being left out in estates, And then we have the other side of that. We have rubbish bags being left in city streets and town streets simply because people are putting them out, hoping they will be collected. But of course, they won't be by the private operators. But people simply are saying they can't afford uh, the cost of the refuse service that is now in place. That is why this councillor wants everything to go back 
to the council operation, be it both city council and county council, will speak with Councillor Fiona Ryan on why she wants this to happen and can that actually happen? I mean, is there contracts in place? Is there a reason on why that can't happen? We'll speak to her on the programme this morning. Also, why the Pana ban needs to be enforced as cars still drive up and down the main street of Cork City, that is St. Patrick Street, during the time of restrictions. I mentioned when I was speaking with Kin earlier, I was in the city centre last week and yeah, there was uh, there wasn't as many cars as it would normally be on the street outside of those hours but still a lot of cars were driving up and down and there was no uh, enforcement in play there. Now uh, a lot of people are asking you know the, the Garda are under, uh, under enough pressure as it is without having them to enforce a traffic situation within the city centre. Some would say the traffic corps should be doing this but is there more important things to be doing and is there a need for a division alone to sort out this situation whereby if you are going to introduce a ban on a street like Patrick Street should there be a, a more or less a two or three units dedicated to this if that is the way things are going to go in the future. Well, on that, Mags on Twitter says, Gardaí were out and about enforcing the Pana ban yesterday. I saw them while I was in the city centre getting school books. So thanks for that, Mags. So there was enforcement yesterday and maybe due to the nature of the coverage yesterday and today uh, that they are looking at this. Anyhow, we will chat with the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Colm Kelleher. And we're also discussing that letter he sent to the Mayor of Limerick and the response he got back. And then on Twitter, uh, the Mayor of Limerick is asking the Cork Mayor to meet them on the border and bring a hurley. So we'll try and find out what's that all about. Uh, they're doing that tomorrow at midday. Uh, not too sure where. I would presume it's outside Charnival around the Benogue area, but uh, we'll find out hopefully later what is to happen tomorrow and also on the enforcement and the further enforcement of cars driving up and down Patrick Street. And parents listening will know how hard that is to have your children and loved ones abroad. Well, one mother uh, put up clocks on her kitchen wall and all the clocks told the time where her children were living. Now the clocks at the moment all tell the same time because all her children are home to her for a holiday but when they go back she'll readjust those clocks again and she feels it gives her a closer connection to where her children are living in various parts of the world. We'll speak with Margaret Leahy who lives in Galway on why she did that and it was something she tweeted and it went viral so I will chat with her on that uh, nice story uh, from uh, County Galway. And also Peter Dowdall is answering your gardening questions. If you have a question for Peter, get those into us uh, as soon as you can because it does get very busy with questions. So get us and get those questions into us and we will put those to Peter. He'll join us after 12.30, 1850 for your gardening questions or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And I was watching TV news last night and the sand picture is still coming out from Afghanistan and the fear that is in many people there. The Taliban in a press conference yesterday, they have pledged to protect the rights of women within the limits of Islamic law and grant amnesty to those who were in opposition to them. Uh, now, everybody is still uh, pessimistic about what will, if that will happen or not. It's the group's first conference that they took place yesterday, first press conference that, that took place yesterday in Kabul. And they have said the militants would not seek revenge against government officials or the Afghan soldiers that they have fought for the past two decades. They say women could work and study and they will be very active in society, but within the framework of Islam. 
They then went on to reassure Afghans, as many are still seen. You can see there's flights leaving Afghanistan. Thousands are trying to escape from the country. The Pentagon have come out yesterday. Their spokesman is John Kirby. He said the pace of evacuations would now pick up and could reach between 5,000 and 9,000 people. Irish officials yesterday were trying to secure places on the military transports of other countries to ensure that they can evacuate Irish citizens who are still in Afghanistan. And it's, it's hoped that a small number of Irish citizens who wish to leave the country will be able to do so in the coming days. The evacuation does continue. And even though the Taliban now are in power in Afghanistan, EU foreign ministers have signalled that the EU bloc will engage with the Taliban. But continuing aid will be conditional on the protection of the fundamental rights by the new government in Kabul. And still there's a, a number of people on the ground who wish to leave the country. I know Ireland have committed to taking at least 150 people from Afghanistan. They're due to arrive here in the coming days. Boris Johnson has said the UK will take 20,000 people Yesterday, when it came to Ireland taking those from Afghanistan uh, seeking refuge, people had mixed views because a lot of people felt, are we going to bring these people in and lock them away again in direct provision centres, which a few people have mixed views on. They feel they're not appropriate. And when you look at our housing situation here and our health situation, people have mixed views on us taking people from Afghanistan to a small country here in Ireland. And then other people feel we need to help those people. You know, if we were in that situation, we would rely on other countries, no matter what size they are. So mixed views on that. And while the government is still saying at least 150 people they will take, uh, there's been calls now from the Irish Refugee Council. They want the government to take more. Uh, They say it's a human rights issue. They should be protected. And here's what, uh, from the Irish Refugee Council, uh, Nick Henderson, here's what he said earlier to our newsroom on that. We're calling for the government to commit to the resettlement of uh, at least a thousand Afghan refugees. And we welcome the government's uh, statements so far, and they're in contrast to other European Union government statements, which have been much less positive. But we do think additional concrete action is needed. So the Refugee Council looking for a thousand Afghans to be placed here in Ireland. The government again uh, saying 150. Your views are welcome on that. Do you think and agree with Nick Henderson there from the Refugee Council that we should take more of those people who were in trouble in Afghanistan and bring them here to Ireland? Your views are welcome. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And the vaccine is still making headlines on mixing vaccines and now it seems that Ireland is not behind the curve when it comes to rolling out the mixing of those vaccines uh, because for months there was a lot of talk on if this would happen or not but NIAC yesterday has recommended the practice in limited circumstances. The HSE is now working on how all this will operate uh, and they're receiving advice from NIAC as well so we'll have to wait and see when that will be rolled out but that would mean that you could now receive a different shot uh, of the vaccine for your second shot if you have not already got one or jab even and that has been approved now by NIAC and it will go forward into boosters and that type of thing that they're talking about for the winter months and so on. And going back to college, we spoke about that earlier this week, with or last week even, with St. Vincent de Paul on the cost and how people are finding it tougher this year on the return to school and college. Well, this will be no surprise to all those who are looking at the moment on heading back uh, to the cities for college because the cost of college is going to jump to €14,000 this year for students who are living away from home 
The study, it's a, a study conducted and revealed today in the Irish Independent, but it's called Students' Cost of Living Guide. And for those who are moving to Dublin, uh, the cost for the full academic year will be just over €13,000, uh, approaching €14,000 in and around that price. And that takes into account items such as rent, which is the biggest cost, also uh, clothes and medical, books and class materials, uh, your social life and food and travel, and then the likes of electricity and bills that you'd have to pay wherever you're living. I would think the price for those who were, if not going to Dublin, the college, and just going to Cork City, I think the price would be very similar because if you look at accommodation costs, there's not a huge difference between accommodation costs in Dublin and accommodation costs in Cork City. Maybe €100, Euros, €200 Euros in some uh, areas, but overall, I don't think the costs will be much lower if you were travelling and going to be staying over to in Cork City, if you're renting a house in Cork City with a number of other people for college, I would think the price would be something in those lines as well of 13000 to 14000 because it's a costly affair with college and they talk about free education and all of that. You've got to wonder, wouldn't you? Uh, because certainly there's no education free when it comes to renting when you have to move from your home place uh, to a city, be that Cork, Limerick, Galway, Dublin. But I do think Dublin and Cork are where you will find the expense this year. A lot of that again down to the cost of rent. And we're all gearing up for this Sunday. Uh, as I said, we will chat to the Lord Mayor of Cork later in the show about the letter between him and the Mayor of Limerick. But health officials have warned that this Sunday's All-Ireland Hurling Final, that it could lead to a surge in COVID cases if unvaccinated and partially vaccinated fans don't celebrate responsibly. It comes as health experts have urged unvaccinated fans to consider skipping the match altogether because they are more likely to contract and spread the virus to others. Some 40,000 fans would be in attendance at Crow Park on Sunday, as we know, for the clash. And the public health officials in the Midwest, they're warning now, people, that uncontrolled gatherings, especially in Limerick this weekend, could lead to super spreader events. They're worried because the incident rates in the Midwest are high at the moment. So that warning coming from health officials ahead of the All-Ireland final this Sunday. Of course, we wish uh, the under-20s who are playing in the first of this week's three All-Ireland finals for Cork the very best uh, tonight. And then we have the uh, minor All-Ireland final taking place on Saturday night. And Fianna Gael, well, they're planning a three-day thinking and now when you go back a few weeks ago, we spoke about what happened in Dublin at the Marion Hotel uh, and the situation with Catherine Supone. Well, it seems now the thinking is going to take place. It's booked for the second week of September at Trim Castle in County Meath. Uh, it was an uh, email sent out by the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party Chairman Richard Bruton and it's subject to public health guidance in September. The three-day event is set to begin with an outdoor barbecue on the evening of Sunday and then there will be further team building activities over the following two days. Uh, the hotel is booked out uh, for September 13th according to the website and whatever everything going on regarding regulations while the Ireland's guidelines say the only indoor organised events permitted in hotels apart from weddings are non-social meetings and training and educational programmes essential to the operation of a business so uh, that would fit in with the guidelines and then outdoors as we know they can do up to 200 outdoors so the barbecue is okay uh, Fianna Foyle have decided not to go along uh, at the moment they have no details of a thinking and Sinn Féin have said they have no decision either uh, and they are still exploring what options 
guidance, if any, uh, they will all in guidance with public health advice with Fine Gael running on with their thinking uh, with a barbecue and a brainstorming uh, for three days at the Four Star Trim Castle. Your views are welcome on that. More also as well, uh, across, of course, uh, across the morning, um, those robot trees in the city we spoke about earlier uh, last week on the show as well and this week, uh, seemingly they are being vandalised, but it won't stop the way they operate. There's been fast food thrown at them, uh, plastic posters put on them, uh, but for the moment, they'll just continue. They're operating as normal. Any littering and postering will be dealt with uh, the usual way they do that in the council. And good news for those who are fans of TV here in Ireland and those from Ireland who were on UK TV uh, the National Television Awards in the UK uh, they're taking place shortly but nominations include Normal People and Bandon's Graham Norton uh, just some of the Irish who are nominated for those awards your views are welcome across the morning 1850-333-103 lines open you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 shortly we are going to discuss the issue of funding uh, for rural roads here in Cork and why other counties are getting more than Cork we'll discuss that shortly it's Cork today until one and I mentioned there regarding what the Taliban said yesterday at their press conference in Kabul in Afghanistan and also on how Ireland's many fields should be taking more than the 150 uh, who are seeking refuge uh, into this country the government have said it'll be around 150 people others are feeling that we should take in more to this country well on that first of all Heidi says good morning JP you mentioned there about what Afghanistan's have been told by the Taliban and the women will have rights within their law. How in God's name can they say what women can do and not do and have less rights than men? It's no wonder all the women are scared and want to leave the country says Heidi on WhatsApp and Hi JP, I'm listening to the comments on how wealthy this country is and this is all to do with how Ireland should take more who are in Afghanistan fleeing the country that Ireland should take more in Uh, this person says if we are a wealthy country perhaps some people are and it's easy for government and top civil servants to say we are and look good in the eyes of the world but as a middle class family we have nothing to spare at the end of each month and any friends I speak with are in the same boat so how are we classed as a wealthy country and how are we the middle class classed as wealthy and just wait until the government gets going on taxing us for repaying all these PUP and COVID payments then we'll know it it's crazy stuff but no one seems to be addressing it says that texter to 0862103103 a lot more comments like that uh, coming into us and we'll get to those shortly but on the way next we are going to question why certain counties get a lot more money for the repair of rural roads and laneways than we do here in Cork Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862103103 the Department of Rural and Community Development has insisted that money allocated for the repair of rural laneways was allocated fairly. This was after questions were raised on how two border counties received more than larger counties. One of those raising the questions is Sinn Féin spokesperson on rural and community development, Claire Caran, and she joins me now. Good morning to you, Claire. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. It was the Sunday Times that revealed this week 1.9 million euros was allocated to Cavan and Monaghan. That's almost four times this amount awarded to Cork, a county more than twice their combined size. And many are asking now how they come uh, to these figures and how they decide and what money is given out. Yeah, and I joined them in asking those questions and wondering the very same. This is highly unusual. The local improvement scheme has been around for a long time, albeit it was suspended for a number of years when I suppose 
we were in recession times. However, the way the money's been allocated has always been based on size. And you'll notice the first allocation in 2021, County Cork got the largest share, and that will be the norm going back to 2017 when the LIS scheme was reinstated. Second to that typically would be the county I represent, County Galway, the second largest county in Ireland, and so on after that. So this is a highly unusual way to allocate the money and questions need to be answered because at the end of the day, this is public money. And you were one of the ones that did ask questions on this following that report in the Sunday Times and you felt, and many others agreed, is it because of where then uh, the department and those in the department, such as the Minister Heather Humphreys, it's her constituency, is, is it a preference thing? Well, I mean, that's the, the million dollar question, but I mean, it, it, it is quite obvious. I mean, Cavan and Monaghan would typically receive between two hundred and three hundred thousand in any given year, and people can look back at the various years and see the figures. In the first allocation of twenty twenty one, they got between two hundred and fifty and two hundred and seventy thousand, and that will be the norm given their size. Cavan is the nineteenth largest county in Ireland, and Monaghan is the twenty seventh. And again, as I've said, Cork as the largest county in Ireland, for example, would always typically get the largest share of that funding. So questions need to be asked. It's still unclear, John Paul, how this was actually allocated in the end. Local authorities were asked to send in the number of applications they had on file. It does seem that Cavan and Monaghan had went way back to 2008 when they were putting in their applications. But it is unclear to me how the money was allocated in the end. And again, this is taxpayers' money. We need transparency and we need fairness across all counties. And people might question in general how funding is given out, but I do believe a fair way to do it is based on size and that has been the norm up to now. And on that, what you mentioned there regarding how Kevin submitted their funding requests, it seems that the department have come back on that. They say ground rules change for the second phase of the funding and whatever way those in Cavan County Council submitted the list, they submitted a priority list of road projects. As you mentioned, there are some going back to 2008 and the department came back and said the money issued needed to be spent by the end of this year and works completed by the end of this year. So they're more or less making out that Kevin were maybe good enough to put in the submission and then they more or less agreed that the works would be finished at the end of the year? Maybe that was something the other councils did not do? I think it was made clear to all councils that whatever they submitted had to be what they felt they could complete before the end of the year. I don't really understand how Cavan could complete a larger amount given, I mean, it's a fairly small local authority compared to much, much larger local authorities like Cork, where I imagine the demand is similar. I I don't see a situation where Cavan and Monaghan, which are much smaller rural counties, we'll say, would have more applications. And I mean, I had raised this with the Minister on the last day, just before it all arrived for the summer. Galway County Council, I had been in touch with them directly because the Minister didn't have the figures in relation to how many applications went into any given local authority, how many could be progressed with funding and how many couldn't. So in the case of Galway County Council, we'll say the second largest county in Ireland, they had 241 applications. They could progress 28 of those after the first round of funding. And I am told after being in direct contact with them that they will now progress another 17. 
that leaves them with 195 applications that they can't progress. Now, I would love to know what the figures are for Cavan and Monaghan and how many they can't progress. And if it's a similar number, I highly doubt it is, but I would like to see the figures. And the same for Cork and everywhere else. Yeah, that's true because I'm inundated here with uh, texts and, and calls coming in from people living in areas whereby you would not have main roads and we all know, I'm sure you're familiar in Galway where there's uh, parts of the county where if you are travelling from one part to the other uh, there is no main road, it's a by-road you're on and then off the by-road it's a minor road and these this is where the funding would go for those roads and people living in areas like Dunamore and Bween here in Cork in the Mid-Cork areas are angry that they're the ones that will suffer the most because they don't have any highways, motorways or link roads in those areas to get around and I know uh, councillors in Kerry also were not happy with this uh, they're saying for their minor roads in Kerry it could take 70 years to sort out because of the way this is going on uh, so you mentioned they're being upfront, and while the department are more or less putting the blame back on the councils uh, and that they were told the councils knew how to apply and receive a higher grant are you still looking for more transparency on this if we will ever get that and do they need to change the way the rules are set the next time around? Well, you see, that's the that's the question. I mean, change the rules. The rules have always been that the money is allocated based on size. This mm. has changed all of a sudden in a second allocation. Yeah. Now, in previous years, there have been two allocations, and this hasn't happened. So what I would like to see is the criteria in which decisions were made, and secondly, the figures. So the minister couldn't give me the figures when I raised this with her in July in relation to the number of applications, for example, Cork County Council got for LIS. How many of them then could be progressed with funding in the first round and the second round and how many were left behind? As I said, in Galway, it's about 195. Whether that's similar in Cork, I don't know. But that's why we need the figures and we need transparency. And let's remember, this is a really popular scheme. It's in huge demand. And I mean, the money is precious for people that are applying for this. They have no other way of getting their roads done in a lot of cases. So this funding is really important and we need to see it spread out fairly across the state. True, we'll wait and see uh, what happens if more information comes uh, from either the Minister or the Department on this for the moment, uh, Claire, thanks for joining us this morning Thank on the programme. Thank you. you That is Claire Carnan who is the Sinn Féin spokesperson on rural and community development uh, regarding that situation and we always hear here from people who are just uh, angry the fact that other counties seem to get more or less the same money as Cork in this instance uh, getting more money for smaller counties uh, and even though they are smaller by size, they have received more money than the department again saying that is the way the application came in your viewers are welcome a lot of people unhappy with this as I mentioned there uh, declare from areas where they don't have main roads and they rely on those minor roads um, such as people in Dunamore like Joe who says we depend on minor roads to be done up and kept in good repair while that is happening in fairness to the council in our area some roads can be impassable uh, for a week or two until they are repaired I feel this is very unfair and it will be areas like this, like Dunamore and Bween, that will lose out if the money isn't sent to Cork, while Anne is in Mitchellstown. Uh, she says the N73 road from Mallow to Mitchellstown, people have been lobbying for years to get the road upgraded. It's the main Mallow to Killarney Road and has a farm on that road and they have had seven cars pulled out of their fields by the road. Uh, it is on a bend and cars take the bend too sharply and they end up going over the ditch. Uh, they never get compensated for the damage done to their fields but it highlights the danger of that road that a number of cars, seven cars Anna says 
it uh, being pulled out from their field because of the dangerous bend on that road and those who were unaware of the road end up going too fast and end up going over the ditch and we have heard that and we have seen protests about that road time and time again and as you say there it is a main road a lot of people would be using that road to go to the motorway as well if people are going to Dublin how many are now working from home may have to go to Dublin uh, two days a week it's also used to go on the uh, motorway the main motorway uh, and then to get around just simply get around you know for people living in the area and thank you for that uh, on 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Waste Collection we did a lot of talk earlier in the week about this and people now feel it's time to look at how we run our Waste Collection service well one city councillor feels it's time to return that collection service back to the council we'll speak with her next Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 A new solution is needed for Cork when it comes to illegal dumping as it's on the rise more household rubbish is being dumped or left in bags on the side of the street Councillor Fiona Ryan is raising this issue Good morning to you Fiona Good morning Thanks for having me on And thanks for joining us I suppose from your experience first of all it just seems that people are leaving bags of rubbish on the street and then walking away without a care in the world Absolutely. Um, only a few days ago, I actually put up a few photos of um, Blackpool at about 8 a.m. in the morning on a Monday. And on one street, Thomas Davis Street, um, I, there was over seven bags as well as heavy goods just left on the main kind of street that people walk put through, you know, in, in the area. Just dumped, just left there. And is there a collection on a Monday in Blackpool? Is that why they were hoping the collection truck would take them? No, uh, no. because it's mostly a daily issue. Uh, this is uh, Things are worse on a Monday, no doubt. It tends to be where the heavy goods, the bulkier goods are left. But it is a daily issue. Um, and in fact, it's not even a case, uh, at least in this one particular instance, that we don't know who it is. Um, in this case, I do know who is responsible for at least part of it. He's been confronted by both myself and other residents, uh, and he just doesn't care. <laughs> That's the reality in this particular instance. Um, and the fines that are issued, because they're not always issued if you don't know who the rubbish is belonged to, but when they find out who the rubbish or who dumped the rubbish, either by way of finding a bill in the bag or, or a name and address or CCTV, uh, when fines are issued, they don't seem to take any notice. So the fines aren't really working as they were a number of years ago. Absolutely, and that's really the, the fundamental point that the council fails to grasp, that the status quo isn't fit for purpose. Um, because it's not just that, you know, if they can find the people, uh, they can find them. As I, as I said, as I've shown, you know, it hasn't, I know letters have been issued to that individual. It hasn't changed their uh, approach things, you know. Yeah, so um, they go on with the same mentality and, and nothing changes and if that's for one person, it's probably for a number of others who are doing similar and I mean, a lot of people will say they simply can't afford the private waste collection if it is too expensive and you're asking is it time now maybe to go back to the old way we used to do things and have the council of collecting refuse? Absolutely, I think it's not only um, the best uh, option, I think it's the only solution at this point, because of course you have some people who simply can't afford it, but I think the majority of illegal dumping in reality is is is, is not coming from that section. Um, it's coming from people who in reality don't give a damn. Now, here's, the, here's where it gets, it rubs people the wrong way sometimes, because it can be seen like we're, 
we're giving these people a get out of jail free card, you know. Mm. And you know, I I can completely sympathise with that that situation. You know, the the anger that this causes, um, not just because it's our communities that we love that are you know affected by this, but the environment and beyond. But the problem is that. You know, having this approach, this punitive approach, uh, if it worked, it would be one thing, but it doesn't work. It's only getting worse. Year on year, the council is spending more and more money, directing more and more resources towards our city streets, our city paths, just to keep things, things moving. And that's resources we can't direct to the county area, where actually the majority of illegal dumping happens. It happens at our hedgerows, on the side of the road, and, and in fields. And you know, there, there's a consequence to us not having um, what is essentially a, an essential public service in public ownership. Because fly tippers, once there's profit to be had, profit will be made. And at the time when the council were providing the refuse service, you still had to pay, hadn't you? Um, so, uh, no, and, and then it was introduced. So at a certain point, it was just a, a public service. Then there was um, payments brought in um, and at the start there actually was waivers um, when privatisation kicked in those waivers are long gone though there is no scenario now where um, you know someone isn't forced to um, you know pay for refuse yeah collection. and some, and that's probably what this is leading to with no waivers and a higher cost that's why we have the bags on the streets I do know in 2019 at one of the council meetings Sinn Féin did table a motion to return the council to deal with waste collection nothing happened then and at the time when this was happening a decision in 2012 to go down this route of privatisation for the waste collection service both councils both city and county said they had no choice because it was a loss making service and they could not make up the losses so uh, if, if that's their answer then it won't change now it, 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 indeed and that's why actual fight, a fight and a campaign has to be made from the public and particularly those who are environmentally orientated at the moment who this issue is close to their heart has to speak up and demand it's not going to happen without public pressure in fact privatisation didn't come in uh, without a real pushback from the public those people who are active then need to be active again and it can be frustrating it's not it's a not a straightforward solution but it's the only solution it's yeah. the only thing that's actually going to stop this continuing to add up year on year the cost of collection continue to add up year on year and resources that we can't direct to other areas keep um will 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 we'll keep on happening whereas we could invest in indeed will likely be a loss making public service but this idea that public services must be profitable is in and of itself a very damaging approach. Yeah, and Jackie agrees with you on that. She said, I wonder how much it is costing any council to go in and collect rubbish dumped illegally compared to what they were doing when they had that collection service in place with the councils. And also a number of people making the same point on the environmental aspect of this. But interesting, when I was looking, Fiona, back when this decision was made, a number of TDs at the time were saying if this is allowed to go ahead as in privatising the waste collection service, that it will result in a number of small operators controlling both price and service and it will leave people with little or no choice when it comes to disposing of their waste and it will lead to what is happening now and they were right that is what is happening so you mentioned their uh, public approach and time to you know protest on this 
education is also a need but how, where do you think the change will happen with this it's going to continue the council are going to come back and say you know it was a loss making service we won't go back to providing a public service what's the next step in, in your view well here's the thing because there actually actually was recently as in in the last few years bylaws put into place that allowed the council to have powers to actually basically compel private households to provide proof of how to dispose mm. waste and this was actually brought in as an attempt to to try and I suppose put the fear into the extreme minority who are responsible for this you know the, the dumping on, on Blackpool is you know, I've said I know at least one of the people that I say it's maybe three households responsible for it, you know. Um, but a single household can produce, especially a household with kids, produce an enormous amount of waste, you know. And this is why that approach doesn't work. Um, because in one hand, a lot of the time, you know, you might have people who live very chaotic lifestyles, you know, who, um, you know, a lot of day-to-day tasks aren't the norm for them, that might be norm for another household, and that that pressuring isn't working. Um, on the other hand, uh, the reality is there's lots of ways around um, the council issuing these letters, and thirdly, it, it actually um, takes up a lot of uh, resources from the council perspective, which they don't actually provide, so that what you have is you have residents calling into the council saying, this area is bad, you have the council sending out a rake of letters, but then not actually processing the returns because there's just so many. It's actually quite, um, you know, uh, labor intensive, and uh, both to actually go through individual bags and look for proof, and to actually, you know, follow up on letters, give people time to come back and follow up, and you know, provide receipts because a lot of people just bring their waste to the dump and they mightn't have a, a waste collection service. You know, mm. it's actually. We're, we're tying ourselves in knots trying to figure out a solution that isn't the obvious one. And to be honest, CCTV, as we know with CCTV as well, which is the, the next most obvious answer, more 99 times out of 100, it isn't admissible because the person knows to cover their face uh, or they'll bring it up a few metres up the road where there isn't CCTV. True, yeah, and you'd wonder, are they wasting so much money in trying to catch people that if they had the service back, what would be the difference in the money they're using now to enforce the law than the money that they would have if they were collecting uh, the rubbish? Uh, Fiona, we'll see what happens with that. Thanks for joining us this morning on that issue. That is uh, City Councillor Fiona Ryan. And you agree with her, should the waste collection service now go back to the councils instead of being run by private operators? I'm sure there's contracts in place and once those contracts are finished, they could go back to the council, but, you know, the council will say it's loss making but what do you think do you agree with Fiona uh, should we go back to the way it was always done 1850 text or whatsapp 0862103103 on the way we'll be discussing the Panaban and why it needs to be enforced as more cars still drive up and down Patrick Street during the time of restrictions we'll also chat to the Lord Mayor uh, about the letters he's received from Limerick and, and the response that he sent to them regarding the All-Ireland final this week Councillor Colm Kelleher will join us on both those issues 
issues and parents listening will know how hard it is to think of your child when they're abroad and people are wondering what are they up to now well one mother had a solution where she put clocks on her kitchen wall telling of the various times where her children lived we'll chat with her as well after 11 and your calls and comments on the various issues we've been discussing this morning you can always call Bernie with those 1850-333-103 Good morning it's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger until 1 she's back on the show tomorrow your view is welcome 1850-333-103 Bernie taking your comments you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and still to come we are discussing the Panaban does enforcement need to happen now as more and more cars seem to be using that street during the time of restrictions and also uh, the Lord Mayor of Cork while we're discussing the Panaban Councillor Colin Kelleher will also talk about that letter that he sent to the Lord Mayor of Limerick ahead of the final and indeed the response he got back and are they going to have a showdown tomorrow on the Cork-Limerick border we'll find that out between now and midday uh, but your calls and comments coming in to us on various issues in the last hour we were discussing first of all on what's happening in Afghanistan and how some uh, not some but all countries now are committed to taking people from Afghanistan as so many flee the country the UK Boris Johnson has come out and they have pledged that they will take in 20,000 people from Afghanistan Ireland has committed to at least 150 people and while Ireland have said that the Irish Refugee Council they have come out this morning and they have said they think we should take in up to 1,000 people from Afghanistan well mixed views on that from various people this morning first of all a texter here, John. John says, John Paul, we can't house our own people in this country. We don't need refugees robbing the country as well. It would be more in this government's interest to house the citizens of this country. We are a small country, but aren't we a great looking country? The majority of people looking for houses and our great government allowing refugees into this country. And there is plenty of houses for them. But who are they cutting? There is something wrong with this. House our own people first. Who put all those fools in? government asks John on text to 0862103103 his view when it comes to the taking of people from Afghanistan and bringing them here to Ireland as many are looking for shelter and indeed a place to live now considering what has happened over there happening over there uh, with the Taliban taking control of Afghanistan and the press conference they gave yesterday in Kabul uh, Ross says what a lousy country we have now we are not allowed to feed the homeless or give them shelter to sleep outside uh, that is to do with with, I presume Ross you're speaking about the story from Dublin um, when they were well they weren't stopping but they were targeting certain agencies that provide food for the homeless and the food wasn't according to the health and safety guidelines up to standards and then uh, there were, the Dublin City Council came out yesterday and they were saying there's a number of tents which are around Dublin and they feel those people who were in the tents they could be in emergency accommodation because there's there was about 40 beds free one night when it came to emergency accommodation but unfortunately a lot of those that do sleep in tents um, it has come out that they I mean people are are widely known those people do, do speak to the media those who are living in the tents they have addictions and they can't go into emergency accommodation if they are addicted to drink or drugs and that is why they choose to sleep on the streets and as you say Ross what a lousy country we have that is why now there is calls for certain hostels to be opened up so people with those addictions can be dealt with in those hostels and if they have to deal with their addictions or take a substance uh, to overcome addictions and to be taken out or taken off the addiction uh, that they should have a a special place they can go for that rather than them uh, going on the streets with tents Uh, thank you for your text to 086 
0862103103. Back, back to what's happening in Afghanistan and uh, people who have mixed views on people coming in from Afghanistan to this country. And as I said there, the Refugee Council looking for up to a thousand people to be brought into Ireland, not what Ireland has committed to of 150. A texter here says, I agree, I do think we need to take more of those people in. After all, how many rural areas are crying out for more people to be living in villages where nobody wants to live? I'm sure these people would be glad to live in rural Ireland and what it has to offer as people are still uh, leaving Dublin and moving to coastal areas there is a large part of rural Ireland where no one wants to live I'm sure these people from Afghanistan would be happy to live in these areas and be safe and be welcome in these rural areas says Risha while another texter here says the government are not good if they decide to bring in 1,000 people from Afghanistan how will they know if some of these people are genuine people or that they could be involved in terrorism how will the government know that we have to be careful on those who seek shelter in countries across Europe says that texter Uh, while James says I do feel sorry for those in Afghanistan it's a a situation that no one wants to see happening I do think Ireland should take some of those people into this country but I think up to a thousand is far too many Uh, countries like the UK France and those with bigger populations yes they should take the amount in but I think what Ireland is committing to 150 is only fair at the end of the day we do need to help Afghanistan and the people that are fleeing the country but at the same time we must remember of our own population that are on this island and we don't want to be bringing people in here to have them locked up in direct provision centre type centres. That is what we don't want says James on text while Martin is in Mitchellstown in 1853 He says uh, the Afghan people are not our problem. We can't look after our own people. Martin is waiting for an operation for six months and he is in agony. He said the waiting list will get even longer if we start taking people in from other countries such as Afghanistan says Martin in Mitchellstown and we discussed the rubbish issue there regarding should now the uh, waste collection service go back to the council well on that uh, so many people have gone in touch to say uh, they feel it should they feel what was said when it was going into the private hands and private companies has happened whereby now there's only a number of operators carrying out this service uh, not very many waivers and the price has gone up over the last five to six years. On that though, the texts are here who doesn't want their name called out or where they're living, but they're very aware of a house uh, that has a lot of children in the house, a large family, uh, and that haven't put any rubbish out for a number uh, of months, be it recycling or waste. Now the people living around them could not open their windows now or during the heat wave. It is shocking. Everybody knows that what is going on in our neighbourhood it has been reported to the, to the local council but nothing seems to be happening we were told that we must write to the local council and then get proof of collection records or indeed a receipt of a bin collector to prove that this is happening uh, but nothing has happened and still we live in this situation whereby we can uh, smell uh, the rubbish in our own homes from uh, those living nearby in our estate says that texter proving what Fiona is saying when she says she's aware of people who are going out and she's seen those people 
people dump the rubbish on the street approach them but they don't care because the fines are not working and that's why when you look at what's happening now with the council investing so much into uh, trying to get those uh, people and trying to uh, deploy people to see if there is you know a receipt or something in the bin so they can chase and find those people are we putting too much resources into that and the money spent on that then would be better spent on a waste collection service uh, John and Clonacilty says uh, on that issue one lorry three men going into a town or village collecting waste today three or four lorries with two men going into towns and villages collecting waste it was a bad move for councils to privatise waste collection feels John in Clonacilty to 0862103103 and I mentioned there about Fine Gael and they're going to hold a thinking and while other parties uh, haven't confirmed if they're going to hold one or do it virtually uh, Jim feels it's unfair he feels while many people would love to hold an, a party for families or whatever everybody is doing so within the law and everybody is holding off but yes Fine Gael think it's okay to go on ahead and organise this yes it may be within the rules uh, but so many people are being careful can they not read the party can they not read what other people are thinking in this country uh, while another texter here says who is paying for this party yes it's us the taxpayers as usual I'm not happy about this says that texter and finally I'm scam calls which are still doing the rounds and we're just telling people you know ignore them hang up uh, Jim is in Clonacilty he got three scam calls this morning claiming to be from Amazon he doesn't have an Amazon account he doesn't deal with Amazon at all uh, but they were reminding him that his account is expiring he presume Jimmy just hung up on that and we just tell people to hang up they do advise uh, on those calls to press one and two do not do that no matter how how many times we say that uh, people still press one and two what happens is if you press either of those numbers you go through to a premium line and you'll see your bill increase and your credits decrease so just be careful on those calls they are still doing the rounds claiming to be from a number uh, of companies that one from Amazon as Jim got in Clon we had other people claiming to get calls from revenue and different banks so just ignore them and I know they do target uh, at certain times of a day morning or evening and uh, this morning it seems to be earlier on so uh, just be careful on those calls calls coming in. 1850 That is our number. Bernie taking your comments across the show or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. C103Jobs. And on today's job spot we have opportunities which include for a childminder required in the Drumahan area you can contact 086-602-9248 A private healthcare assistant is wanted for the Ballonhastic and Shannon areas you can see email your CV to imosullivan071 at gmail.com and St Vincent de Paul require a shop manager in Fermoy please send your CV in confidence to Joan dot prior at svp.ie these details and more they're online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. There are calls on Cork City Council to enforce the Pana ban, as many say, is effectively lawless. The Lord Mayor of Cork is Councillor Colm Kelleher and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Colm. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. Uh, this was introduced, as we all know, a few years ago in 2018, and you can receive penalty points and a fine. Uh, I was in the city centre last week, and while traffic was quieter in those times, there were still a lot of cars on the streets during the time of the so-called ban. I mean, is it simply down to resources? No, look, um, the panel ban, as you said, was implemented a number of years ago, and there was different timescales put on it. Um, you know, but the hours of that it operates now, um, it's just 
seems that it's, it's been ignored. Um, now, it's, like you reference resources, it is down to uh, Garda traffic management. Like we passed the bylaws at City Council, but it's not City Council that, that effectively polices it, you know. Um, but that being said, you know, you can't have a guard at every street corner uh, 24-7. Um, and there are there is adequate signage on all approaches to Patrick Street. Um, and it just seems that some certain people, you know, they just... Would rather take the, the, I suppose, the shortcut through through Panna, um, as opposed to go down the keys, you know. Yeah, and when I was raising this earlier, there was people uh, yesterday, regards to yesterday afternoon, there was Gardaí there enforcing the ban, and I know there was a lot of coverage yesterday, so maybe because of that they were there, but the Gardaí will come out and say, if, particularly in the Cork area, they don't have the resources, there's not enough Gardaí deployed to Cork, and they're busy enough as it is, and while the traffic corps at that hour are probably busy enough dealing with accidents, they can't, as you said, be there. So, is it time if this is going to happen in the future with the closure of more streets and more bans, like it's happening in other cities, uh, is it time to look at the enforcement within the Gardaí and say you, you need a special unit just to deal with these new situations that will arise as more and more cities look at banning cars at certain times? Look, um, obviously, look, we have uh, the permanent uh, pedestrianisation of 17 streets inside the city. Now, that's for the, there's no Garda requirement to police that. that is, they are close to traffic. Um, I suppose part of Sweden's uniqueness is it is open to vehicular tra- traffic. Uh, all vehicular traffic at certain points of the day and restricted to other types of uh, vehicular traffic, i.e. taxis and buses at other points of the day. Um, if, in relation to uh, Garda, uh, I suppose, staffing units, that would be an issue um, for the Garda themselves and in relation to the allocation of what guards should be, I suppose, given to Cork mm. City uh, District that would have to come from Garda HQ in Dublin. But, like, I'm also chairman of the Joint Policing Committee of Cork City Council um, and I know that members of the committee have been saying for a number of years, I suppose, something that, you know, maybe members of Garda Shea may find difficult to say but we can as elected rep. There is no doubt on the God of the world that we do require more guarantee in Cork, but on all divisions, not just traffic, you know. But again, that is a matter of, uh, I suppose, how to distribute the manpower from Templemore, you know. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would agree with that, that Cork does need uh, a more guardie to deal with situations like this because there there is cities looking at Cork and they will introduce similar bans like the Pana ban we have in their city uh, to improve air quality and to um, uh, deter people from bringing a car into the city centre. And that is going to happen. And if there isn't resources there, the guardie do need to set up another unit that will specifically deal with that. Otherwise, there's no point having a ban if, if it's lawless. But I suppose the other reason then that people were angry at one sense was you have the robot trees the famous trees in Patrick Street uh, which are there to you know do good for air quality and then you have cars whizzing by during a car ban uh, so a lot of people are asking okay if there's not enforcement is all of this investment in Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. In the trees, then a waste. Well, look, um, I uh, was speaking to someone there a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying why do those um, uh, robotic trees or city trees um, were being installed? Um, there was like 192 cars parked in the middle of the Patrick Street Bank, um, and you know it does, I suppose, fly <clears throat> uh, in the face though, of what Cork City Council is, is, is trying to achieve in relation for a reduction in air pollutants. Um, in relation to a healthy city, um, like we're launching our draft city development plan at the moment, it's got up for public consultation. Um, it's gone. The, the elected members have had their, I suppose, consultation process now. Um, but like in that, we do have a clean air strategy, and we do have this fifteen-minute uh, city strategy. And like you know, pedestrianisation of streets, uh, Patrick Street bans, robotic trees, all of these, none of these will fix. Uh, climate change or air pollutants on their own. They are part of the bigger jigsaw puzzle. And as Cork City Council, we are looking at, uh, you know, effective ways to, I suppose, you know, green, make our city a green city. Um, we were the first uh, council in the Republic to, to go completely electric in relation to our fleet. Um, and, you know, there, there's charging ports outside City Hall. It's at my office here. I'm actually looking down at them. We've trade cars charging there now. But it is a collective effort, just as used as you know, you went to like McDonald's or Supermax, you, you, you'd be hard pushed to get a single-use plastic in there anymore. You know, it's all these small little pieces have to be put into the jigsaw to get the bigger picture. And I, until they all, I suppose, perform in unison, it may be slightly counterproductive, you know. Yeah, and were you surprised when you mentioned the trees that they were vandalised? Was that something you were hoping that would not happen? Look, um, any, any big piece of, of, of uh, equipment or furniture or even phone boxes that are on Patrick Street and any, in any city are susceptible to vandalism. Um, uh, vandalism. Um, it's, it's disheartening, um, you know, but again, you know, it's CCTV footage um, and the Gardaí and ourselves demolish that and if there is any antisocial behaviour anywhere in the city and if any city property is damaged that the people are cost and, you know, uh, I suppose prosecuted to the full rigours of the law because that is antisocial and criminal damage at the end of the day, in, in regardless of where it happens in the city. 
Okay, before I get on to the All Ireland final, we were just discussing there before 11 o'clock and we got a mass response to this. I just want to put it to you, see your thoughts from uh, Councillor Fiona Ryan. She feels basically we need to go back to the uh, council collecting the waste collection rather than it being privatised as it is now. Uh, she gave her viewpoints of why that should happen because dumping has increased. Eileen Lynch, who's a, a councillor in Cork County Council in the McCroom area, she said it was interesting to listen to Fiona, but she has failed to mention how she proposes Cork City Council to fund this free household waste collection service other than having a public protest. Aline tweeted us to at C103 Cork. Uh, would you agree in what Fiona is suggesting that we do need to look at the waste collection service now or do you feel it has to stay the way it is? Look, um, we as a local authority and all other local authorities uh, I suppose around the country at one stage did offer waste services um, in relation, but that costs money. Um, and a number of years ago, it was privatised out. Um, and it, you know, you you have the option of using the likes of your Panda Waste, your your Green Stars of this world, um, and they both perform, you know, I suppose home refuse and commercial refuse collections. They then have waste facility permits at different points across the city and county to process these um, uh, the, the waste that's produced, um, and a lot of it is recycled. And I know in particularly Panda uh, are a company, they're based in Dublin, but they've started to creep in here in Cork. They're, uh, they have a very green ethos on how they deal with their waste. But that being said, there is a massive monetary cost in dealing with waste. And these companies have to charge to pay per bin or pay per waste uh, to provide these services, to deal with them in, I suppose, an environmentally sound way. We don't have the budget to do that in Cork City Council. Uh, we've always, like, we passed the budget of, of, of near a quarter of a billion last year, um, one of the largest budgets in the history of, of the council, and we will be hoping to do something similar this year, in the tail end of the year. But that being said, like, we have a city dump out on uh, Tremor Valley, where the Tremor Valley Park is now, and that has been turned into a fabulous amenity. And I'm sure all people can aware, like, that was an eyesore in the city for many, many years. But, like, you know, I, I find it uh, interesting uh, in relation to Councillor Ryan's proposal that it would be a free waste collection. Like, how, how are we supposed to pay for that? Are we supposed to raise taxes on people to do it? You know, so uh, somewhere else within council so that we can collect their waste for free? And then how do we as a council dispose of that you know, there's massive, massive costs involved. With it. We, we're not the only council that has outsourced that many, many years ago. Uh, I personally, I personally wouldn't be in favour of that because it would be a financial burden that we couldn't manage as a council. To be quite honest with you. Yeah, and that was that was said at the time. Uh, the loss making service that was one of the reasons why the council did outsource this, and many people have mixed views on that. Uh, and, and some feel it should be the council responsibility again. But even you've outlined it there. If, if it is a money factor that the council can't support, this you feel it's the only way of of getting a service like that. Back is to increase taxes even though the people are paying their property tax everything exactly. would need to go up to, to fund this exactly you know like the, the, the money doesn't grow on trees as you know um, and my mother used to always say that to me money doesn't grow on trees it if you know if something is put into practice within council within local government within national government it has to be paid for you know there, there's no such thing as a free lunch and like if we were to start collecting waste again for, for free around the city one, we'd have to provide bins, there's a cost in that. You'd have to buy a fleet, there's a cost in that. You'd have to get a waste a facility permit, um, you know, there's a cost in that. You'd have to manage it, there's a cost in that. Um, it's, it's just, and again, as you said yourself, a loss-leading service. 
So it was a financial burden on us as a council when it was outsourced a number of years ago. And as you know, as an elected rep of Cork City Council myself, I would not be in favour of, of a return to that. Um, someone has to pay for it and we can't afford to pay for it. So. Okay, well, before I let you go, uh, Colm, this is what everybody's talking about over the last two days. First of all, it's obviously to do with the All Ireland final this weekend. Uh, you wrote a letter to the mayor of Limerick. You informed him that Liam was a native of Ballygarvan. Uh, did you get a surprise then when he wrote back to you? This was Councillor Daniel Butler. He sent a letter back there claiming Liam because Liam's mother actually hailed, uh, they say, from Bruff, uh, just over the border in County Limerick. And then they said that the cup was very comfortable on Shannon's side and they will look, uh, let us look at him uh, before keeping him. So they kind of put it back to you again. Uh, a good bit of banter, though, between both sides. A good, a good bit of ban- banter. And, you know, I'd have to thank uh, the mayor of Limerick for his, his reply. It was all in good jest. But, I would, you know, as he alluded to in his letter, he disagreed with a few of my points and assertions <laughs> in relation to Liam. I would disagree with a few of his points. Um, his mother may have been from Limerick but his father's nickname was Coppel because he was, he was as strong as a horse they emigrated from Ballygarvan to uh, London and Liam was a native of London but you know we're very lucky Liam's parents weren't the Beckhams because if they were he'd be called Ballygarvan <laughs> Okay. Well, a few callers yesterday were were worried that you jinxed it with the letter, but then when the letter came back, I think that they weren't too worried. But interesting on the letter front, on the Twitter front, he did mm. tweet and he said that would you be up to meet him this Thursday at noon on the border and let's settle this. And he's asking you to bring your Hurley. Are you going to meet him tomorrow on oh, the border? That challenge has been accepted, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I'm going to bring my Hardy and my Twitter, and we will settle it for once, once and for all. Um, I would just like to say, I think it's Lee's Centra in in Charleville kindly um, uh, offered their backdrop where they have a giant banner of a cork and, and a Limerick banner on the front of the shop, um, and it was very kindly accepted. But I think they refer to it as a this uh, pivotable negotiations at an intercounty summit. So, uh, <laughs> oh. and it's, so it is Charnival it will be happening tomorrow at midday and what are you going to do with the Hurley are you just going to puck, puck them off the wall or, or what, are you, how, what are you going to achieve with the Hurley well we'll see what, we'll, we'll see what happens though, like, okay. there'll be something puffed anyway and have you played hurling um, oh, badly badly <laughs> long time ago I don't know if Daniel has or not but anyway we'll wait and see what happens tomorrow at midday in Charnival uh, but do, represent us well anyway Colm whatever happens tomorrow in Charnival oh, we will we will and look look to all your listeners and I know people are saying you know we're the underdogs and we're going into this and I know the Rock said it after the semi-final I was above at that semi-final and the work rate of our lads both on and off the ball was exceptional and they'll put it up to any team on the day I think Limerick have everything to lose. We have nothing to lose. Uh, we 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 were all Ireland champions back in 2005. We lost them in 2006. He's been in a you know a quarantine for a very very long time, and I think it's about time, high time, we brought Liam home. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. You're right that there's less pressure and usually when there's less pressure when you're not a favourite, that's the team that can do well on the day but we'll say nothing and we'll see what happens. Uh, for the moment, uh, Colin, best of luck tomorrow on your own All-Ireland Final in Charleville uh, at, <laughs> at noon and uh, we'll wait and see what happens uh, on the uh, Pana situation as well. Thanks for joining us this morning. No problem.
and take care. Uh, that is the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Colm Kelleher. And your views are welcome. 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. And you can message us via the C103 app. On the way, as you all know, who anybody who has uh, children or friends or family abroad uh, you do t- think of them at various points of the day when you're trying to figure out what are they up to now when they're in a different time zone than you are well one mother uh, to figure out where all her children were put up clocks on the wall that told the time of wh- where they were and what they were doing in their respective countries we'll chat to her next mother of four Margaret Leahy put up clocks in her home with the various times so she could always know the exact time of the location of her children when Margaret posted that photo to Twitter last week it went viral and Margaret joins me good morning to you Margaret good morning JP how are you I'm fine and thanks for joining us I mean a massive reaction to your post (laughs) and a lot of people could identify with what you were doing there in your kitchen I mean this space is like what you would see in old school hotels behind the reception you would have clocks on the wall and they tell different times around the world and this is what you did in your kitchen why did you decide to do this and leave those clocks there for however long your children are away yeah and that's exactly where I got the ideas from hotels and when I moved into this home, none of my children moved with me because they're all adults. And it just struck me that, you know, they're traveling, they're living now in different places or whatever, and that I wanted to have a sense of them in the home. So I thought that if, you know, when I walk into the kitchen in the morning, I can go, oh, you know what? I bet Dean is having breakfast or I wonder if Neve is on the town or whatever. That um, it would just kind of give that sense of, of us being together. And um, I think like so many parents now, um, not just because of COVID, but for the last 10, 15 years, our children are over the world, which is fantastic. Um, the difference is back in the day when... We lived in America back in the late 80s and that, I mean, you got one phone call a month. There wasn't the same level of communication and everybody knew it was five hours or whatever. But when they're in different places, I just thought it was a great way of knowing what time it is. And it made me feel closer to them when they're away. Yeah, where are they across the world? So um, during lockdown, actually only two were away. So um, James is the eldest and he is married and living in Mexico. Ian lives with his partner, Olivia, in um, Vancouver. He's been there, God, nearly nine years now. Um, Neve is currently in Limerick, but about to take off again <laughs> after Christmas. And Ashling is in Dublin. And um, sometimes, you know, all clocks are at different times, including the middle one is myself. So sometimes all four clocks are at different times. Sometimes three of them are, sometimes two of them. But they haven't all been on Irish time um, for uh, since before lockdown, since like almost three years. And that's a very long time. Like so many families, yeah. I do a weekend show here on the station and a lot of our emails coming in are from mothers and fathers and uh, loved ones saying, you know, wish this person well in Sydney, wish this person well in Canada, uh, because they haven't yeah. seen them, as you mentioned, for over two years. Uh, but the clocks now, they all tell the same time because yeah. they all arrived back to you, didn't they, last yeah. week? Yes. Yes, yes. So it was, oh, I'm emotional still talking about it a week later. Um, yeah, so it was, they had been wanting to come home, obviously, um, for quite a while. And restrictions keep changing, JP. I mean, it's, yeah. you don't know what's happening from one week to the next almost. But once I had gotten my first vaccination, they started planning to try and come home after my second one when they'd be fully vaccinated. And plus, I turned 60 in March, so they really wanted to be home. At oh, well, happy birthday. That's a, a milestone. Have a happy birthday. And great yeah. to have them all around. So for your, for your birthday yeah. celebrations. Yeah, so they decided to try and combine coming home with having a bit of a party for me, which is happening Saturday if I ever get the house tidy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, yeah, and it was literally on the family WhatsApp. Oh, just got my vaccination appointment, just got this, just booked flights. I mean, the excitement has been building for several weeks now. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's just great. And I, I know a lot of people were, were texting us in earlier when I mentioned this and they say that they use Google uh, to find out what time it is if their child is wherever they're living mm-hmm. uh, or put it on their phones. But on the wall, on the kitchen wall, do you just feel, as you mentioned, you know what maybe uh, one of them is doing if, as you mentioned, Neve could be out in the town or she could be going to work? Yeah. I mean, do you feel a closer connection because instead of trying to get your phone out and, and Google where they are, it's on the wall and you can tell straight away what they're all doing at a various time? Exactly. I mean, to me, it's a bit old school, but... You know, I mean, phones are great, don't get me wrong, and, and I can check, you know, what time someone it is in a different time zone. But you have to kind of go do that. And to me, looking at, we'll say, Bangkok on the phone at so many hours, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's whatever time it is now and whoever's there. To me, that's totally different from literally in my kitchen every single day, knowing what time it is where they are. And I mean, it's not that I'm obsessed with looking at the clocks, but it's just... Because they actually, obviously, with five clocks on the wall, it does kind of dominate the kitchen. You can't miss them when you come in. Um, but to me, it's it's different. I, I I personally love it. I I feel that, you know, they're the, the you know it's James Dean, Neve and Ashling. They're it's their clocks and they're here, and I know where they are at that stage. And uh, to me, it's very different from the phone. And we all use the phone, and the phone is great. But to me, it's just very different having them on the wall and I feel that they're in our home with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? no, it makes total sense. And on the clocks you have there on the wall, like the hotels, they have the cities underneath them. Do you have their names yeah. underneath or do, you, or do you just know each one? I I had planned to do that, to be honest. <laughs> it was one of those things, oh yeah, I must get nameplates. And I never did. Um, but it, it goes by age. So James and Ian, James to the left, then Ian, then I'm the centre one, and then Neve, and then Ashling is the youngest. And so the centre one is kind of all, of, uh, you know, Irish time, wherever I am or whatever, and then the others change. And uh, we've actually, you know, said actually maybe tonight we actually must take a picture of all five of us under the clocks. <laughs> That's a great idea. You'll have to tweet yeah. that, Margaret, and, and do that and tweet that photo. I can't, I'm well, looking I forward to that. If I go viral again, the kids won't stop laughing. I mean, they you probably will if you do that. <laughs> are they getting? You said they find it hilarious. They're getting a kick out of uh, Mammy being viral on the net, are they? They really are. They think this is. I mean, you know, they were like, you know, I mean, because all of them are obviously on social media all the time doing mm. various things, you know, and they were thinking, yeah, yeah, ma'am, you're gone from, you know, this, that, and the other two suddenly being viral, and what they're getting a big kick out is their <laughs> friends are saying, oh, you know, we saw your man tweet or heard your man on the radio or whatever. And yeah, they, they're, they're thinking it's great crack. Yeah. Well, make sure you get that photo tonight of all of the underneath clocks. I think that would be a great I photo. Will. You'll probably go yeah. viral again, but I look forward to seeing that. And <laughs> how was the last, the last week? You're all there together. Uh, you're all spending time. I mean, I know I was organising the interview with you on Monday yeah. and you were going, I think, to the Iron Islands yesterday. Yeah. Uh, how has the week been? Has it been a very special week? It, it has been, and we've we've had a lovely combination of doing things like whether it was going out to the islands or going to Ransom or whatever, and also you know just spending time together. And you know everybody says, "Oh, sure, you're great now. You're lucky you've Zoom and you've Google Meets and everything else." And that's all true, hundred percent. Because as I say we lived in New York in the eighties, and it was one phone call every two weeks because it was so expensive to call home. Mm. So that has definitely helped, baby. But you never get the same crack. I mean, they were here last night. And someone made a comment about something. And we were all roaring laughing. I mean, you just, you don't get that sense of, of crack. And you don't get the hugs. And so it's been fantastic. And the boys brought me out last night. to the lovely restaurant here in Galway. Kylie brought me out last night. And 
we're doing pizza night another night and we're doing all sorts of things together and it's just spending time together it's just been fantastic yeah, yeah I know because Zoom and all those uh, Skype and all of those are fantastic but again you can have that human touch with those and you can't beat the human touch so I totally get you with what you're saying there and I mean you've yeah. family abroad yourself I mean, you're, you're used to family being abroad you've had uh, your own brothers and sisters uh, f- abroad over the years haven't you yeah yeah, and I, but I, again, I think, that, I mean, at one stage, I'm one of 11, and, um, you know, at one stage, I think nine of the 11 of us were abroad at one stage. So, you know, it's, it's that's kind of, I think, Irish families. And mm-hmm. I have a brother still in Australia, and I have a sister in Glasgow um, at the moment. The rest of them currently are in Ireland. But things change, and as I say, we lived for seven years in, in New York. We went, we went out for one to make a million, and we came back. And didn't, but anyway, um, <laughs> we just, you know, I, I think that's kind of. And my mum was a big traveller. Dad wasn't as big a traveller, but a Cork man, by the way, a West Cork man. So oh, there you go. Where from? Yeah. In, where in West Cork? Uh, Cora, outside Skibbereen. Granny yeah. was from Cape. My granny was from Cape Clear. So. Oh, what's their names? Uh, granny was Joanna Leonard, and Dad was Patrick Leahy. Yeah, from Cora. Yeah. God, so a good West Cork connection there so to yeah. to your family that's fantastic yeah. and I'm hoping to get down to Cape again later on actually I try and get to Cape when I can yeah yeah, yeah. beautiful beautiful area beautiful neck yeah. of the woods is, is Cape Clear and all of West Cork is fabulous but uh, yeah. well I, I'll say that because I'm from West Cork but I, in general people <laughs> people across the country will agree with me on that uh, yes, you mentioned I, there, I think you will yeah it is and, and so is where you were in Galway as well it's a fantastic yeah. spot but you mentioned there about uh, we all getting together and people you know getting married yeah. and all of that did your son get married recently you mentioned he yeah, yeah, so um, we were all together in Christmas 2018. We actually went out to Mexico. He just got engaged and we had Christmas out there. Oh, sorry, yeah, Christmas out there. And we said we wouldn't do a whole lot of trips in 2019 because he was getting married in 2020 and my mom was get, was turning 19 in 2020. And we said, and plus my husband who passed away was 10 years dead in 2020. So we said, look, let's do all the visiting in 2020, right? Then, of course, boom. You know, yeah, everything, uh, everything changed. Fell apart, yeah. yeah, and none of the events happened, including James's wedding. So they got married in Mexico and um, just themselves, which you know they were very happy with. But you know, it's 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 such a pity, and I know so many couples have gone through this, whether or not to go ahead with smaller or not at all or whatever. And yeah, so he's married, and I'm a mother-in-law, not I'm having to deal with that now. I can. <laughs> oh so this is your first time meeting him as a married man. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's really strange. I mean, it's just really, you know, and even sometimes when he'll write something, you know, on social media, yeah, my wife, and I'm going, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. Natalie's his wife. So, yeah, so that was, I mean, we really felt for James. Um, we, we all as a family would love to have been with him and he'd have loved to have us. But, you know, that's, worst things have happened, people, JP, but, you know, uh-huh. definitely COVID has definitely... Um, you know, I mean, I was even saying with the party Saturday, I'm thinking, when's the last time any of us were actually at anything? You know, when's the last time we were at a party? When's the last time we had friends? And so I think it has certainly made us as a family appreciate. I mean, we're saying that if we were to go back to that Christmas 2018, we wouldn't put anything off in 2019. We're not putting anything off anymore. We're just going to, you know. True, try yeah. And if anybody asks you to go anywhere now, Margaret, you'll be off. I have the suitcase at the door, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll do sign of this. hopefully your son and his wife. Well, what's his wife's name again? Natalie. 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 Hopefully, you know I, that both of them uh, will be able to do something when they come back to Ireland again with you, and you can celebrate it as yeah. proper as a family when things ease. Hopefully, in the next year. Uh, and yeah. for yourself, I mean, what a reunion! Weddings and birthdays all in one. I know. 
it's, you're going to have some some day on Saturday. Uh, I really yeah. enjoyed Margaret. I hope you have a great time Saturday. Thank um, you very much. Give uh, your love to all your family from us all, Thank your you. sons and daughters and everybody else there that will be with you on Saturday. And the clocks, will they go back to the original times they were set on oh. when they all leave again? Unfortunately, that's Aww. the tough part. As I always say, it's a bit like Dublin Airport. I absolutely love driving to arrivals, but mm. I hate departures. And it'll be the same with the clocks. But, you know, it. it uh, I, I think, you know, it, you have to accept that as a parent of adults. I mean, I want them to live the best lives they can. And if that means they live it somewhere else, well, then that's up to them. But, you know, I'm just grateful, as I say, that hopefully after all the restrictions are lifted, that I can visit them more often than they can visit me. And, yeah. you know. And things are lifting and things are getting more positive so yeah. I think you will be able to go back and forth and they can visit you and you can visit them and the yeah. clocks will be always changing but hopefully yep. it won't be too far after a few months back and forth to each other. Margaret, yeah. it's been fabulous talking to you. You're a fantastic Thank you person. Uh, Thank thanks you for joining much. us. Very good. Enjoy uh, your birthday weekend and Thank have a great much. time. All right, take care, JP. Take care. Right. That is a lovely lady, isn't she? Margaret Leahy there uh, with West Cork Connections. Doesn't everybody have a Cork connection? West Cork Connections for Margaret from Cape Clear and Cora. Uh, but uh, well done to her. What a fabulous idea. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people, Imelda's on here on text saying that she'll be following Margaret with the clocks idea and so many more as well. And Cork today, 1850-333-103. Lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And let's go to the common line because Luke joins me. Good afternoon to you, Luke. Afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining me. I mean, this is something that you came across. It's on the Causeway Road. Everybody will know this locally in Clonakilty. This is the road as you head towards Intradonny. Uh, but you came across what appears to be a pothole, some would say nearly a sinkhole at this stage, on the side of this road. Um, tell us about this. It's, it seems to be a fairly large pothole, let's say. Yeah, it's fairly large, all right. As um, it said in the article there in the Southern Star, I'm about six one or six two, mm. and it was well up to my waist. Like you know, it was it was pretty deep, all right, and it's wide enough for a human to, to fall into. Like you know, I discovered it there last. I I live in Inchidani, and I in college. Like it was all online, so I was down there. So I was just out for a walk or a, a run in the evening time back in May. And um, I just it just happened upon it there. I kept I moved into the side because it's in like the way of a pedestrian. You know, if you're walking, keeping in for a car, like so. I was keeping in for a car, and there it was in front of me, massive out right there. So I had to watch my I had to watch my footing. You know, <laughs> I can imagine. And as you said, it is a road that many people would have to walk. And if you do step in from cars coming and going there, I mean, you're lucky you didn't fall into it or, or, or trip trip over because it's fairly large on the side, and you wouldn't really notice it because it's grassy in that area. It sure is, yeah, John Paul. You're dead right there, yeah. No, you, if you, you'd have to have your wits about you, really. You'd want to be looking out for it, you know. And the picture which we have up on our Twitter feed as well, and I know you were speaking to Kieran in the Southern Star regarding this, uh, and they have a picture as well online. This is you in the pothole. Your height again? You're six foot, are you? Yeah, six one or six two, about in between one and two. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're very tall, and even with you in the pothole at that height, it's more or less. Is it up to your waist? It sure is, yeah, it is. I'd say it's about three three feet or so. You know, it's 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 oh. very it's fairly deep all right. Well, yeah, and it would have been a danger to many people, as I said, when they're trying to get in off the road for moving traffic. But you have, obviously, you alerted people to the photo. Have the council come back to you on this and what has happened in between? Well, I tell you now, uh, I was actually contacted by a resident of Inchani, actually, she's a friend of mine who lives down that road, actually, and she sent me on a picture there the very next morning after the article was published. The council were down there filling it up. 
Oh, okay. So, so it's as far as we're aware at the moment, it's sorted, all done. It's sorted, all done, all done. That's okay, it. Okay, well, that's, that's moving on it. Yeah. But uh, before that, only for your photo and for you taking a photo of yourself going into that pothole, uh, you could have still been there. It sure could have, yeah. Well, it took about uh, three or four phone calls. Anyway, I, I called them on my own behalf there back in May when I discovered it first. And uh, they said they'd get on it or whatever, but sure, no avail really. Then I was out for a walk there with my mum about a month ago, rang again, twice actually. And uh, sure, they said, oh yeah, we'll get on that now, no bother. But I, I think they must have been too busy or whatever, sure, yeah. you know, with COVID now, staff shortages and all that crack. Yeah. But, um, you know, they, they didn't get to it, unfortunately, but sure. The article got, the, I think it got them moving, yeah. So once you took the photo and it started appearing it, everywhere yeah. online, then they sorted it and uh, they have it that sorted now. But for the, at least for the three busy months of the year it was left there, uh, it could have been a danger to so many because the wall is, is right next to that and the tide gets fairly high there. So if you did it take sure a tumble, does. anything could have happened. Now, thankfully, nothing did happen. But at the same time, it's a, uh, it's a strange place, first of all, for this to happen, a, a pothole and, and that side of the road. Especially in the busy summer season and all, you know, you, yeah. you pass like hundreds walking down there every day, you know, in the middle of July or August or whatever yeah so thank god yeah nothing happened and did the council say anything afterwards after you went into the portal I know a few years ago we had a guy elsewhere in the county who did do similar and I think uh, after that the council came out and kind of had a health and safety briefing that people should not be doing that stepping into portals did you get any reaction from anybody in the council <laughs> none at all none no. at all I'm afraid no no okay <laughs> well <laughs> hopefully it'll be my last time in a pothole anyway <laughs> well hopefully not in that location but for, for the yeah. moment anyway uh, well done in highlighting that and taking the photo of yourself in the pothole and thankfully the pothole has been sorted. Luke, thanks for joining us on the on the show today. Thanks very much, JP. Have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. Uh, thank you. That is uh, Luke there, Luke McCormack, who is living in Inchidani and that massive pothole, once he shared it online, it did get sorted out, but it took, even though he reported it in May, it took sharing the photo online to get that pothole sorted in the Inchidani area. That's the Cal- Causeway Road uh, into Inchidani for locals who will know that road. Now, calls and comments and various issues coming into us across the morning. First of all, on assaults in our cities and the situation regarding bringing in refugees uh, into this country from Afghanistan. Michael Gerrard on text says, Hi John Paul, what a sad state this country is in. It's okay that we have lawlessness and unprovoked assaults in our cities and towns and it's fine to leave one thousands of houses empty while our people sleep on our streets. And as for refugees, successive governments have only paid lip service to asylum seekers. Just look at the shameful direct provision system in this country, deliberately put in place to deter refugees. Shameful, shameful in the extreme, says Michael George on text to 0862103103. Well, on that, Ursula is in Clonakilty. She says, why do we think any refugees are going to get safely out of Afghanistan? Are any of them ever going to get this far? She's very disappointed in Joe Biden. He has let us down and has let the Afghan people down. She thought he was going to be a different president from Trump, says Ursula in Clonakilty. And regarding the ban on Patrick Street and what is happening regarding that and more enforcement to come regarding that ban, Mary is a mallow. Mary says senior people like herself find it hard enough to walk around the shops without having to park away from the main shopping areas in the city and the elderly on pensions cannot afford to pay for all these increases in the property tax so Mary doesn't agree uh, with the Patrick Street ban she feels uh, that it should not be there basically so people like her can park near the shops without having to walk miles in the city centre and then on the waste collection this is on how councillor
Commissioner Fiona Ryan earlier speaking to us in the increase in rubbish dumping and fly tipping across the county. She feels now that the investment that the councils are putting into trying to catch those people who are dumping rubbish could be better spent money wise and the money could be going back to maybe bringing the collection service back into the council rather than having it privatised as it is now. Well, Siobhan on Twitter too at C103 Cork says, when I was a child, waste collection was free and we did not pay property tax. Of course, then we did not import digital trees from Germany either, says Siobhan. And on the scam calls that are doing the rounds uh, a lot of people agreeing with Jim and Clonic Kilty they got those scam calls earlier he got one from Amazon again hang up on those another texter here is saying is anyone getting calls from revenue this morning and people are they are a hoax they are a scam call and we just ask people to hang up on those calls claiming to be from revenue or indeed uh, claiming to be uh, from Amazon as well now thank you for your calls and text to 0862103103 and a WhatsApp in and thank you to Elio Driscoll for sending in this WhatsApp and it was Gary took the photo of Wally the Walrus. Guess where Wally the Walrus has now ended up in the last hour or so? Well, Wally has appeared on a boat in Crookhaven. So he's made his way from Clonacilty Bay over the last day or so to Crookhaven. We heard yesterday that he was still in and around different and various parts of Clonacilty Bay. He's now moved further west and he's gone to Crookhaven. So thank you to the guys there. Uh, if you're in the Mizzen area, uh, you will uh, see uh, Wally on a boat off Crookhaven this morning. He's certainly uh, making his way across the coast, isn't he? 1850 lines open. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. The issue we start start with uh, at the start of the show regarding the money allocations to Cork for the repair of laneways and people are asking was this money distributed fairly uh, we spoke earlier to Claire Kernan she's the Sinn Féin spokesperson when it comes to rural development she feels it was not she feels questions need to be answered as do so many more because people are wondering why did the counties of Cavan and Monaghan receive almost four times the amount awarded to Cork we'll, we'll continue that discussion next but first The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative, the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Mitchellstown Library, they host a fun window expo of town culture and family history that will operate from August 14th to the 21st and Kildallery Community Development their home bingo books, they're on sale now at the usual outlets, they are on sale again this week and it's your chance to win one of their five full houses of €50, also their snowball prize which stands at €550 this week and the next bingo, driving bingo that is in Kildallery that will take place in the Creamery Bar Creamery Yard even and that's going ahead on Friday at 8 o'clock and Castletown Bear Development Association they will be holding a drive-in bingo and that's going ahead also on Friday at 8 o'clock it's at the Beira Coast Hotel Car Park in Beira and the jackpot there is €1,200 Euros in 47 calls or less and just back to the topic earlier on at the start of the show this was how questions are being asked after the Department of Rural Development insisted money allocated for the repair of rural laneways was distributed fairly but some are disagreeing and asking why counties such as Cavan and Monaghan received almost four times the amount awarded to Cork and we did go through one of the reasons or what could be the reasons for that uh, Councillor Declan Hurley has contacted the show on that matter and joins me Good afternoon to you Declan 
Good afternoon, John Paul. Uh, when we discussed that earlier this morning, we were discussing the second round of funding and how Cavan, for example, whatever way they submitted the application is could be one of the reasons why they got more money and also that they proved that they could finish the work before the end of the year. Uh, do you agree with the way the funding was allocated? Well, I suppose it, it boils down to, John Paul, at the end of the day, what local authorities are able to achieve um, on the ground. And if, if those counties can get that much money spent in, in a very short window of time, it, it's fair play to them. But I, I, I do think, personally, um, I suppose compared to a Cork perspective, uh, the smaller counties, I think they've been not more than they can choose, so to speak. Like, obviously, every local authority will, will put in for whatever they think they can do in any given year and yes the, the second round of funding that was made available I think it was 10.5 million nationally and I think bre- broken down I think for even for Cork County that came to I think so, something short of 500,000 um, I I know Cork County Council put in an allocation for what they felt they could achieve um, and again that would and I, I think we will be hard pressed to achieve that uh, even for the size of, of Cork County so I obviously the money given out to answer your question, John Paul, was based on the application that went in. And if a local authority puts in a big application, it's up to them then to to spend that money um, in in the allocated time frame, which is a very small window because it has to be spent by the end of October, I think. And is it due to the fact that we, we keep hearing from the council that they don't have the resources, they're now due uh, to COVID and what has happened over the last year and a half, they're down to reduced outdoor manpower. And do you feel that's why Cork did not put in, that they were realistic in what they put in for funding? Yes, I'd have to agree with that, um, John, because back in, I think it was April of this year, as uh, someone from this meeting in West Cork, I asked the executive as to what, I wanted to get um, kind of a synopsis or a comparison as to what outdoor staff numbers were in West Cork as opposed to maybe uh, five, ten years ago. And April, I said, look, we'll get that hopefully for the, the May meeting. The May meeting came, uh, the June meeting came, and the July meeting came, and we still haven't got that information. And I again raised it at the July meeting, and I was told by the executive that legislation prevents the executive or the county council from giving out that information. And it's my view and of many other public representatives around the, not only West Cork but the county itself that we do have a significantly reduced number of outdoor staff. And yes, I think we don't have sufficient numbers on the ground to maintain our roads as they should be. So therefore, we could be possibly asking for more money and getting more work done if we had a stronger workforce out there. But we're assuming we don't. We haven't got the figures to, to quantify that. So yes, I, I think we are shortchanging the point of view of not having enough people, enough outdoor staff on the ground. And that, I think, begs the question, are we now at a position where we need to be tendering this work out to private contractors to get more monies, to get more work done to maintain our roads to a suitable standard? So have a situation whereby you would have council workers carrying out the work and also a private company then carrying out the work in different locations so the money could be uh, received from Cork County Council and the road works that, and those roads who were in bad repair that need it done could get done. Yes, because like obviously five, every year the county council knows what they make up a programme of works and they know how many roads, how many kilometres of road they're going to do in any one given year. So if then a department comes on and gives out an extra allocation of, say, 500,000, that then is on top of the existing programme of works, but it's, it has to be spent in a very short window period. So it puts extra pressure on a local authority to get that money spent. 
So I and some members um, of Cork County Council have contacted me with, because of obviously chairman of the the roads and transportation SPC. They do have concerns that we will not be able to spend our um, second allocation of funds because we don't have sufficient. Um, manpower on the ground so to speak so we've been told that yes we will spend it but um, I, I hope we will because certainly our roads need that investment of, of 500,000 but um, I, I, I need to be convinced that we can do it um, thankfully the weather is, is suiting the work at the moment but if we get uh, bad weather or the winter comes in early that's going to hamper getting works completed so uh, we are watchful and we are mindful that this money needs to be spent and the last thing I want or any other member is that this money goes back to the department unspent. And finally, we spoke earlier and debate was back and forth on if the collection service, the waste collection service, should be privatised, uh, which is privatised, should it be going back to the council? At the moment, you know, you have private operators operating this. It was in the hands of the council. It was privatised. Many feel it should go back to the council. But then we spoke to the Lord Mayor, Councillor Colm Kelleher. He feels it needs to be remaining as it is, the, that it wasn't profit-making when it was within the council. They were, it was a loss-making situation for them, uh, so they could not go back to that situation. And you feel there could be more parts of the council privatised in years to come. That, that is my concern, John Paul, and I suppose I think it was Councillor Ryan raised the... the it was Councillor Fiona Ryan raised of, going, of yes. going back to the council collecting the bins. And that's, that's a fair point, and I would have to agree with her, but in reality, that's not going to happen. And my concern is that we, obviously, it was debated... On, on this show back earlier in the year when uh, the cost, uh, the increase at the gate charge for our civic immunity sites, like year on year, um, the providing the recycling at our civic immunity sites is costing the, the county council somewhere in the region of, we'll say, maybe three million. Like So we can't continue losing that level of money in the local authority um, year on year. So I, I do think the question is going to be put before members at some stage, uh, sooner I think rather than later, um, is Cork County Council going to continue in the business of providing uh, civil mini sites at that cost, um, or is it going to have to be um, turned out to private contractors again? And um, it, it happened with the refuse collection, and I, I think it's not fair on the general public out to be asked to pay more. Um, it's, it's, we're not going to provide a free service. That's not going to happen. So um, rather than increasing charges again, do we go privatise it and see if somebody can provide a better service at a cheaper rate? But then if it isn't at a cheaper rate, I mean, TDs back at the day when they were looking at privatising the waste collection service, they were saying if this is allowed to happen, it will result in a small number of operators controlling both price and services. We have seen that now. Uh, could the same happen then with civic community sites that we could see the price increasing at the gate and maybe under one or two uh, private companies operating these? It, it is quite possible and it's, it's a serious discussion we have to have as, as members and the local authority. We, we should be able to provide a service uh, to the public, um, and I, I hope that we can. But our problem is, John Paul, is that like since the introduction of the local the DLPT, the local property tax, that was meant to be an additional, I suppose, revenue for councils. But mm. since that has come in, the local government funds that we got year on year from the government has been reducing year on year. And now the pressure is on local authorities to become self-financing. And the only way we as a local authority can become self-financing is raising the LPT. Um, this year we didn't. We maintained it as uh, at one at seven point five percent as last year. But if if this trend continues, we may be looking at increasing ten percent, even the max fifteen percent in years to come, because we do we're not getting that support from government because the local government fund is being cut, um, and we're being told by government we have this 
I suppose, at our disposal where we can increase local property tax. My, uh, I don't agree with that because I think the people are paying enough as it is and we should not be uh, front-loading any more on the general public. Um, between local authorities and, and departments and the government, we should be able to provide these services without the public having to um, contribute to it. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, many always say to us when we talk about the property tax, they never see money for a turn. And if, if we are going to go down the road of privatising the civic immunity sites, like what has happened with the waste collection service, I think there'll be more uproar over the property tax that people are paying when they don't see a return for money. And, you know, private companies, they are there to make money. So if they do take over a service, they will eventually charge more because they need to make a profit. That's what they're in the game for. Anyhow, I'll let to leave it there. Declan, thanks for joining us and you're contacting us on your comments and views on that this afternoon. You're welcome. Thanks, JP. Uh, it's Councillor Declan Hurley there joining us from Dunmanway uh, on the uh, situation regarding the roads funding and indeed the waste collection service. 1850 Your questions for Peter Dowdall are welcome. He joins us next. You can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But before we go gardening, have you the bunting out? Have you the flags out? Well, I hope you have because we're doing our bit here to get behind the All-Ireland Hurling finalists and we want you to help. We're asking you to show your support by decorating your house or your business in the cork colours. We want you to go all out with the flags, with the bunting and get creative. The more creative you get, the better chance you have to win because if you can WhatsApp your photos to us with your creation, we'll give you €500 Euro to the best house and €500 Euros to the best business with announce the winners on Thursday evening just WhatsApp your pictures now to 086 103. I've got a few already this morning from people uh, who were on holidays and are sending me pictures from Ballybunion of the good banter between Cork and Limerick there in Ballybunion and other businesses who were at the moment uh, in the process of erecting the flags and bunting so send us your creative work uh, with the Cork colours you can uh, text as I said WhatsApp even WhatsApp 086 103 Three. Listen in then all week and you can check us out online to see some of those pictures at c103.ie. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And the Irish gardener himself, Peter Dodal, joins us as usual on a Wednesday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Peter. Just a uh, good afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine. How are you today? I am great, enjoying the sunshine. No, it's not raining on top of us. Oh, it's sunny where you are. Well, it, uh, maybe sunny might be a bit optimistic, oh. but it's certainly not <laughs> raining. Okay, it is dry. Cloudy here where I am, but it, it is it is dry. That's the main thing. Now, we have a number of questions in, Peter. And the first one uh, it was a WhatsApp we got earlier on this morning with a picture. And this is the question. It's a tree in her garden. And uh, you'll see in the picture, Peter, a patch of the tree in the middle is dead halfway up the centre. The tree elsewhere in the tree, it's, it's healthy. But what is the reason for this? The, the reason I can't say for definite, it's a conifer for those who can't see the picture, which is everybody. It's a, it's like a Picea. So if you can imagine like a Christmas tree, it looks like a Picea and there's a dead branch in the middle of it. Um, it's hard to say for definite what's caused it, John Paul. I'm hoping it's it's kind of physical or environmental damage. So in other words, what I mean by that is that the, a stem got cracked or broken or perhaps something like weed killer or, or something drifted onto it and killed it. Uh, and the reason I say hopefully is because otherwise it could be a symptom of a fungal infection which is starting in one branch but will spread to the rest of the tree. So I can't, I can't accurately say what has caused it but 
weather of which what you need to do is just remove that branch so follow that branch it's not a huge one but it is going to leave a gap in the center but follow that branch all the way to the main trunk of the tree and cut it off as flush to the main trunk as possible um so if if, if as i say it's physical damage you're just removing it because it's not going to come back but if if it's um if it's fungal you're hopefully getting there early and removing as much of the 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 growth that is already infected okay uh Unfortunately, with conifers and piceas like this, it's not going to magically fill that gap with another branch. So you will be left with a bit of a gap. It will kind of fill out in time, but uh, but you, you will lose that perfect, perfect shape. But unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it. If you do see that brown spreading to other branches and the rest of the tree, it, it is symptomatic of a fungal infection. Um, if that's the case, maybe come back to us and we, we can look at it then again. Okay, and Sean wants to know, Peter, when is the best time to prune climbing hydrangea and a California lilac? Nice name for a plant, isn't it? Well, California lilac. It, it, I, and it, a nice plant it is too. See an otis to give it the, its correct name, if you like. But yeah, California lilac, it, it conjures up <laughs> nice sunny summer days. The, the climbing hydrangea, which is a lovely self-clinging climber, it doesn't need pruning as such. So from a horticultural point of view, it doesn't need to be pruned. So the only reason you would prune it is if it's growing a bit bit further so it's a, it's a self-clinger John Paul which means it sticks to the wall like ivy you know uh, and it'll it, it'll cover it's a climbing plant so it'll cover a wall or a fence or whatever you want but if it's growing beyond where you want it to grow that's when you'd need to cut it back obviously so if it's growing it down pipes or in through window ledges or anything like that you need to cut it away and really it's not that important at the time of year that you do that in that case because you're pruning it not for horticultural reasons but just for other reasons so it really isn't going to be that important but i would still say probably the best time to do it would be september kind of mid mid to end of september but really any time between that and the end of february should do you uh but it's not hugely important the california lilac is different so that will flower kind of april time april may is probably still color on it depending on the variety there's several different species of it um so i would say as soon as the flower is finished which again is is kind of let me think there now for a sec it's april may so yeah i would say as soon as the flower is finished so if you have an earlier flowering variety it'll be finished flowering by now so growth it's producing now will be next year's flowers if you like so uh, if it's finished flowering cut it back sooner rather than later if it's still in flower wait till those flowers finish uh, and then cut it back okay Okay, hopefully that helps. Sean and Mary wants to know, she has fuchsias. They're in containers, Peter. I wonder, do they still need to be fed? And if yes, how long more do they require feeding? The Well, I suppose it's not that they require feeding, but they will do better with feeding. Because when something's growing in a container, it obviously has a very finite uh, resource in terms of nutrients and water. Okay, So that's why we need to pay attention to to watering it and feeding it if something's growing in the open ground and in the correct conditions it should rarely if ever need feeding or watering uh, but when something's growing in a pot it's obviously a, an artificial environment or a, a kind of man-made environment so it will need nutrients given to it so if it's a summer flowering few, there's thousands of varieties of fuchsias john paul believe it or not um but you can kind of break them down into what we call the frost tender varieties and the hardy varieties. So the frost tender ones would be the ones that are grown very much for summer colour, for, for your hanging baskets, window boxes, things like that. Uh, and they need to be protected in the winter. 
but yes you would the more you feed them at the moment the more blooms they're going to give you i'd feed them with something like a good quality tomato food like the irish one the nature safe organic tomato food it's probably the best of all to give them for flowering uh we're coming to the end of august i i'd start easing off maybe give it another week or two maybe one or two more feeds to get them in through september uh but that would be enough i would ease off on the feeding at the end of this month because whether we like it or not dare i say it we're coming into the autumn or we're in the autumn uh so the growth is going to start slowing down from next month uh so stop feeding them this month i would say Okay, a listener in Mitchellstown, she says, I have severe dog weeds and chicken weeds in my flower beds. Now, what can I use to prevent these from reoccurring again? Because my beds look horrible with all these weeds. It's a difficult question to answer, John Paul, and that's the truth. The, the only way to eradicate them properly, and I'm not going to recommend a weed killer, but is to go out and take them out by hand, is to remove them by hand. So once you get... Uh, once you're dealing with clean soil, so in other words, once you've removed all the, the roots from the dockweeds and these, if you keep that soil clean with a good mulch of organic matter, such as a bark or wood chip or, or any organic matter, homemade compost. So if you keep that, if the soil is clean to start with and you cut off then light and oxygen to the soil, you won't get new plants germinating. However, and this is why I say it's a difficult question to answer, if there is any bit of that root remaining, which inevitably nearly there will be, it's going to re-emerge. So it, it's... It's not really a question of preventing it forever because you may not be able to. So it's just a question of ongoing maintenance, I'm afraid. But the more of it that you can remove, the more of them that you can get out this year now by hand, getting in there with a hand trowel or a shovel and remove as much as possible, uh, well, then you'll have far, far fewer. And obviously don't let them flower and go to seed because they'll just spread. But really, just the more, the, as much of the root as you can get out, the, the better. Okay, and John is in Bishopstown. He wants to know what can he do with fresh raspberry bushes? Do you cut them down as they are very tall? He has cut down the old ones, but what about the fresh ones? Oh, it's okay. So, yeah, I think I get it. what he means. So, with raspberry canes, right, uh, you, you have the branches which will fruit for you this year, which possibly already have, okay? Now, they're a brown in colour. And the new ones that he's talking about are kind of green and very pliant in colour, okay? So the ones that are that foxy brown colour, you need, they, they have done their job, if you like. They're now going to be tired and they're going to sap energy from the plant because they're not going to fruit well at all next year. So you need to remove them. Uh, I, you could do it during September, October, probably a bit early to do it yet, but do it during September, October. Uh, and those new ones that he's talking about, they're the ones that are going to fruit for next year. So they're the ones that you want to concentrate on. If, if, um, if so anybody who grows raspberries will know what I've been talking about, that they can kind of tend to, to spread and spread quite a bit. So where you might have started with a nice ordered row of, of raspberry canes, they might be now encroaching to the left and right of it. So if they're getting a bit too wide, if each clump is getting a bit too wide, you can quite simply remove with a spade, just go, just go straight down and remove those that are growing where you don't want them uh, uh, and either give them to a friend or a neighbour or put in another line of them somewhere. But if you're not bothered by them spreading, provided they're all green, then they'll be the ones to, to give you fruit for next year. OK, and I'm not too sure if you can help Patricia in Mallow or not. She's wondering where can she buy lettuce seeds to grow for the autumn? Uh, most, uh, most garden centres should still have seed, I would have thought, at the moment. 
Um, I don't sell sell vegetable seeds on on my own website, theirishgardener.com. Though I do hope to be to be expanding the range of seeds that I have for next year. But at the moment, I don't. But I would have thought most garden centres would ha- would have them. And lettuce is a great crop because it doesn't really matter so much in the variety you get. Whatever one you sow, like it's it's maximum kind of eight weeks from the time of sowing to eating it on your plate. So uh, I would think most garden centres would have a butterhead or an iceberg lettuce seed still in stock. Okay, Mary's in Skibbereen. She has two rose trees. They're in pots. Now, they were beautiful when I transferred to bigger pots earlier this year, but one of them has brown spots and going yellow and hardly any flowers. They're meant to flower from June to September. and She got them in April of this year. Would you ask Peter if I should plant them out of the pots or when should I do that? If so, Mary in Skibbereen. Okay, well, two things for Mary in Skibbereen. First of all, I do think that roses will nearly always do better in the open ground than in pots because they are quite hungry feeders and like we were talking about earlier on with the fuchsias in containers you're giving them anything that's in a pot has a you know a finite uh, amount of resort or finite amount of nutrients available to it uh, so the more nutrients and, and food that that roses can get the better they're going to do and the open ground will suit them better if that's not possible obviously you can continue to grow them in pots but you will have to be very careful on feeding when you remove when you transplant them from a pot into the open ground isn't again isn't hugely important because when you're taking something from a pot there's there's literally no root disturbance it's the other way around that you have to be time sensitive so if you're taking something out of the ground you can really only do that during the dormant period of the year which is let's say november to february but when you're going from a pot into the ground it could be done today it could be done anytime really um but I suppose most importantly, the first part of her question, the brown spots and the yellowing of the leaf, that's their classic symptoms of rose black spot, which is a fungal infection. Okay, so what you need to do, you kind of need a three pronged approach. Remove as much of the infection as possible by pruning. So you're not just taking off the leaves, you're taking off the stem that carries those leaves because the infection is in that stem. So now don't worry if it means that you're kind of leaving the rose quite naked. They're remarkably resilient and they'll come on again quite quickly, though you may have little or maybe even no blooms for the rest of this year. You're concentrating now on next year. okay? so remove as much of the infected growth as possible and don't leave any infected leaves or stems around the base of the plant because it'll just get back into the soil. Um, Then you treat the plant with a drench of... um, Uh, copper sulfate mixed with water which is a very good broad spectrum fungicide which is certified for use organically so you're safe enough to be using it but just not regularly I would say once a year and I would ideally do it kind of during in in April because it works much better as a preventative uh, for any of these fungal problems than it does as a cure so remove the infected growth from the rose treat it with with copper sulfate mixed with water and then feed it so feed it with a very good rose food something like the gouldings liquid rose food is a very good one drench it with that uh, and it, it should come on again quite quickly i would think okay hopefully that helps mary there in skibbereen a lot of people are asking about our first question on parts of trees dying uh, we might get back to that next week because i have a lot of people uh, who are noticing palm trees as well dying around all parts uh, of cork for the moment peter we have to leave it there have a good week and we'll chat to you next wednesday talk then john paul Take enjoy care. your week Thanks, Peter. Peter Donald there, the Irish Gardener. If you want to check him out online, you can do so at theirishgardener.com or indeed on Facebook and Instagram at The Irish Gardener. Patricia Messenger is back with you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.